Gazette Newspapers presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Thank you, Scott Geezy, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me from the Parting Shots Podcast Studio in Schenectady, New York. Happy April Fool's Day. I'm not fooling around on this edition of the podcast. Later on, staff writer Jim Schultz joins me to talk week three of the high school football season. But first, a sure sign that spring is here is the start of the Major League Baseball season. Last year, thanks to the coronavirus pandemic, the start of the season didn't happen until July, and it was just a 60-game season. There were issues with games being postponed as several teams had positive tests. Hopefully, there won't be many interruptions this season. To help preview the season, I'll have interviews with Christy Ackert, who covers the Yankees for the New York Daily News, and Tim Healy, who covers the Mets for Newsday. Those interviews were taped Tuesday. You'll also hear members of the Daily Gazette sports staff offer their predictions on the season. Let's hear from Christy Ackert. Uh, welcome back to the podcast, and uh, how fun is it going to be to actually cover a full baseball season? Uh, I hope I can do it. You know, they talk about the workload of the pitchers for this year. I'm, I hope the writers are up to it, too. What was it, I mean, what was it like last year covering a 60-game season? And, you know, you did travel a little bit, uh, uh, but what was it like? Just It was obviously a different, you know, covering a team like that, you know, basically uh, Zoom interviews, uh, post-game, and that kind of stuff. Uh, it was bizarre. Um, you know, I... I did all the travel except for the first flight, um, the first two flights, which would have been Tampa and Atlanta. I was flying again by um, September. It was strange just getting back into the world, really, you know, kind of being in airports and hotels. Being in empty ballparks was very, very strange, um, you know, with the fake crowd noise and stuff um it's it's weird it's it it goes against my nature um (laughs) you know i'm 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 more of a person who likes to work the clubhouse i'm very i'm observant i guess is you know in terms of i see you know certain guy oh he's wearing his cleats today he must be going to throw a bullpen um so it it just I felt like I had my hands tied behind my back, and I, I felt like, in terms of going to the ballpark, you know, it was like going to watch them film a TV show. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I, I just covered the uh, NCAA Hockey Northeast Regionals at the time, Junior Center. It was just weird doing post-game press conferences in the press box on Zoom when you usually have the press conferences in the uh, media room. It was just, it was, it, it, it is weird. I don't know how... To do it was just kind of crazy, so I, I understand that uh, situation. But uh, let's talk about the Yankees this year. Let's let's start with the health of the team and manager Aaron Boone. Uh, kind of a uh, he's had some heart issues. He had open heart surgery uh, a few years ago, and he had a pacemaker uh, put in. How's he feeling? Is he ready for the season? Yeah, I mean, he. I think he missed seventy-two hours. He uh, or maybe maybe a li- one more day because of the COVID protocols he had to go through to get back in the bubble. But he's great. I mean, he talks about how great he feels. Um, 
and what a difference it's made for him. Uh, he he seems ready to go. They say there's no limitations on him, uh, except for I don't think he can throw BP right now because you're not supposed to lift your arm up that high. But he seems good. Luke Voigt's going to miss about a month of the season because he has a torn meniscus. He's going to have surgery, the, the Major League's uh, leading home run hitter last year. How much of a factor of his absence is going to be in this team early on? Well, it's a big blow when you lose the home run king from the year before, um, even if it was just 22 home runs. Um, you know, it's a big blow. It's, it's a big blow that the Yankees can absorb, you know. I mean, they do happen to have some guys that can hit home runs. So um, I think I think they can weather it. I think it's better at the beginning of the season rather than having it happen in season. Um, it also gives them a longer look at Jay Bruce, who is a power left-handed bat that, you know, they've needed or they've wanted. So... Um, It'll be interesting. It gives them, a, you know, some versatility with the lineup a little bit more. Um, but, you know, the good thing is, is the meniscus is not, you know, that's not a months-long thing. He'll be back probably mid-May, end of May. And uh, he'll probably end up missing just about the, the time that he missed for, you know, his oblique or something like that, or what, what turned out to be sports hernia. Yeah. <laughs> You mentioned the fact that uh, they have other guys that can hit home runs. We Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton come to mind. Both guys who have also dealt with injuries uh, over the years. Uh, what is their status? I mean, how they how do they look in spring training? Stanton looks great. I mean, Stanton looked really, really good in the playoffs last year, and he's kind of continued that. Um, he's he's got this new workout program. He has. You know, the way that he kind of keeps himself going when he's DHing. Um, you know, we saw him running on the sidelines, kind of keeping himself warm. He looked great. He hit some really hard balls in spring training. Uh, Judge, uh, you know, yesterday was supposedly under the weather, which was all the explanation we got for him missing his third straight game. Um they say he's good to go. They say he will play. He should be good to go on Thursday. Um, you know, he had one home run during spring training, but said that, you know, power isn't something he worries about in spring training. Other than that, he looked healthy. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, until you see him in the season hitting home runs, you know, that's pretty much all you can say or wait for, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Another uh, a pitcher that's uh, had elbow surgery uh, had some bone chips removed. Zach Britton, uh, how long will he be out, and how was his status going to be? You know, he's going to be a little longer. I think he's going to be about three months. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he had the same surgery that Gio Urshela had in December. Urshela was playing in March in spring training games, but you know that's a position player. Um, you know, it's a common surgery for pitchers, but usually you see them have it in October um, because they can pitch through it and it's a, you know, annual elbow clean out or something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's a big blow because, you know, he was fantastic last year, particularly when Chapman was, you know, out with COVID. And, 
Chapman is suspended the first two games of the year, so they're without him. They're without Britain. Justin Wilson, who is another lefty that you know could have picked up some of the slack, is going to start the season on the IL. So the bullpen would worry me a little bit going into the season. Another uh, uh, let's, another player I think everybody's going to have their eye on is catcher Gary Sanchez. Is this a make-or-break year for him, considering he, uh, he had trouble you know, with the offense last year and his catching is still a you know, suspect? You would think. I mean, they still seem to give him chances. Um, you know, he shows the power and the reason why they do keep giving him those chances. I mean, early on in spring, he hit two monster home runs, one right over the batter's eye in center field which was just huge. So you can guess, you can understand why they're like, well, let's give him another chance. Um, you know, kind of deteriorated and snowballed on him last year. And I, I, I have a hard time, you know, making a decision on a guy from last year. It was 60 games. It was also, you know, they couldn't, you know, they had limits on what, how long they could be at the ballpark, you know, how long they could be in the batting cage. So, you know, they didn't have video. So I think so much was changed. It's hard to say, oh, okay, well, he really regressed. We don't know exactly what it was offensively for him. So I, I think I would throw last year out. Um, I do think he needs to have a big season, but I think, I think the Yankees have to have a big season. They really haven't done anything in since 2009 yeah i mean they did get to uh, the postseason last year won the uh wild card series against cleveland then lost in five in the division series at tampa bay uh i mean, I mean some people are picking the yankees to win the division and even go on to the world series is, is this team talented enough to get there the team is talented enough to get there well they're healthy enough to go there they're healthy enough to get there um, you know, i think all of baseball is going to be whether you can keep your pitchers healthy because, you know, they've never been through a year last like last year, and pitchers are not one to be like, oh, let's just change everything up. Um, you know, this is, this is going to be an interesting year to see how they react to the workload from last year. Um, the ramp up, you know, the shutdown, the idle for a while, then ramp up quicker than, you know, a short season. So I think in about July and August, you're going to start seeing, you know, how teams handle their pitching is going to pay off. And it's going to be the depth of pitching, of, of the quality of the underbelly of your pitching. Take the Harbor Tunnel three-way, I-895 North. I'm sorry. It's okay. You're, sorry about that. That's all right. We're, we're, Christy's traveling up from uh, Tampa, and uh, so uh, that's kind of nice to hear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's funny. Sorry about that. That's, that's funny. I like that. <laughs> okay. Um, so, go ahead. I think I think it's going to be whether you have quality depth of pitching, the underbelly. You know those those guys. You know four through seven. Whether they can keep up your um the quality of the pitching. So it, it'll be interesting. They're talented enough. They just have to stay healthy enough. Yeah. 
Uh, one pitcher that is back for the Yankees is uh, Domingo Herman. Uh, he was having a great season in 2019, then uh, was uh, placed on administrative leave and eventually suspended for uh, domestic uh, abuse. Uh, he's back. He's um, earned. I guess he's earned a spot in the rotation. What is the mood with him back in the lineup, back in the on the roster this year? You know, initially there were some issues with it. There were some teammates that were not happy about it. Um, and, you know, Zach Britton was one that was very publicly open about it. I think once he realized that he had to address his teammates, that he had to talk to them about this, and that he did it, I think they kind of are like, okay, now as long as he sticks to his word, as long as he's, you know, narrow, I think they'll have his back. Um, you know, there are some there that probably aren't thrilled about it, but, you know, nobody's going to deny him a second chance just, you know, after he's he's made that effort. One pitcher not back is Marihisho Tanaka. Uh, he went back to Japan to pitch. And I guess there's some reports out there that uh, claiming that his family was uh, abused by people uh, last year, uh, probably because uh, with the situation going with COVID and all that stuff. But uh, what? How? How will the Yankees? How much will the Yankees miss him? And do you think that some of those reports are in, were, were accurate about uh, the family situation? You know, he put out a, a post on social media sometime this year that kind of indicated. You know, he went back to Japan during the shutdown for the safety of his family. I don't know what that meant in terms of was it how we were handling COVID or if he felt there was, you know, some anti-Asian sentiments. Um, the story in Japan, from what I understand from some friends who are Japanese reporters, was an opinion piece in Japan that it didn't actually have Tanaka quoted in it. So um, I'm not, you know, I don't speak Japanese. I have to rely on, you know, my friends who do. So I'm sure that there is some concern about that, but he has not said that that happened, so I'm going to kind of wait until I happen. If there, there's... If there's one Yankee we're not talking about here that could make an impact, who would that be? This year? Yes. Uh, well, I would say Labor Torres. I think he's going to have a very big year. And I think, you know, he can have another year where he hits 25 to 35 home runs. Um, I think he's going to have a big impact because I think he's he came in in shape this time and he's really trying look, to look to prove people wrong that he can play shortstop. Pitching wise, I think it's Corey Kluber. If he can stay healthy, he gives you a solid number two and lengthen that rotation that really needs lengthening because the back end to me still has some things to prove. What's it going to be like? What do you think it's going to be like Thursday? I mean, there are probably some limited fans in the ballpark at Yankee Stadium when they play Toronto at one o'clock. Uh, 
It's going to be kind of nice to have some fans. I mean, that won't be packed, but at least you have some fans coming in. What do you think it's going to be like Thursday? Uh, well, we've had fans in spring training, so that, that was kind of weird at first. It was a bit of a night. It's, it's a heck of a lot better to be in a ballpark with fans in it than an empty ballpark because you kind of feel like you're in a museum after you know closing time when you're there alone. Um I'm sure they'll have their regular pomp and circumstance. Uh, some of it might have to be virtual. I don't know. Um, I don't think it'll be a normal opening day by any means. But it'll be a step in the right direction. Uh, it'll be good to be back at a ballpark again. Um, not that George M. Steinbrenner's not a ballpark, but a, a big league ballpark. Yeah. Um, and it'll be good to see real baseball again you know the thing about spring training it gets a little tiresome when you're watching you know three innings or four innings of scranton versus lehigh valley right yeah so well christy i appreciate uh, once again and where can people find you on twitter before i uh, before i let you go uh at by christy ackert perfect i appreciate it once again safe travels and uh We'll talk as the season goes on. Thanks for having me. Up next, we'll talk about the New York Mets with Newsday's Tim Healy. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast. Sign up for the weekly Daily Gazette sports newsletter. The newsletter features updates on the local sports scene from our staff writers, debate on topics local and national, and reveals the latest guests for the Parting Shots Podcast. The newsletter is free. To sign up, head to dailygazette.com. Hi, this is Harborside Hal Wafer. I'm the manager of the River Sportsbook at Rivers Casino and Resort. Now, it's always a winning bet to listen to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Welcome back to the podcast. Let's go across town to the Mets, see what's going on with them with uh, Newsday beat writer Tim Healy. Tim, uh, welcome back to the program, and uh, how was spring training? Spring training, uh, it flew by, to be honest. It felt, it felt a little shorter and was a little shorter this year just because of the kind of funky schedule. Uh, but the best part about spring training is when it ends. So I think uh, I speak for probably everybody in baseball, around baseball, when I say that it, it's very good to have the regular season again. Yes. Uh, we uh, were talking on Tuesday, and you just came on uh, right after uh, manager Luis Rojas had a little uh, uh, media session with you guys. Uh, what did he talk about? Uh, just, you know, a lot of the usual amps for the season sort of things. He did reveal what the Mets rotation to begin the year is going to look like after DeGrom and Stroman in the first two games. And the way they're going to swing it is put David Peterson in that third game, that Sunday against the Nationals, and that will split up the Met two Mets left-handers, Peterson and Joey Lucchese. So then again, the Phillies in Philly next week, it's going to be Walker followed by DeGrom, who will be pitching on regular rest, and then the fifth spot will be Joey Lucchese or Lucchese with an opener. They haven't quite decided on that yet. So, uh, you know, always good to uh, knock out those probable pitchers and know what's coming up the next bunch of days. And uh, very interesting move by the Mets to have the ground pitch twice in the first five games, taking advantage of that off day early in the season. Yeah. 
Well, you mentioned Marcus Stroman. Uh, he opted out last year. What? Uh, or how do you think that'll affect his uh, pitching this year? That's a good question, and it's part of a larger question of how is last year overall going to affect virtually everybody, right? Yeah. No pitcher threw that many innings last year, and in the case of Stroman, he threw zero innings. So, I will there be a little rust? Nah, I don't know. He was pretty solid during spring training, it seems. So I don't know necessarily that there will be any rust. But it'll be more interesting late in the season, August, September, October, if the Mets are good enough, to see what happens to that innings total and how his body and arm hold up. That's true for Stroman, and it's true for basically everybody, but especially Stroman since he was at zero innings last year. Another pitcher who's not going to start the season is Carlos Carrasco. What's his status? He has a strained right hamstring, really a torn right hamstring, and he's out for basically at least April. I expect him to come back in sometime in May. Um, when in that 30-31 day stretch, I'm not, I can't confidently say, but uh, by Memorial Day it seems, barring any further setbacks, of course. And of course, the wild card, which we uh, haven't mentioned, Noah Syndergaard. Uh, what is his status for? Is he going to be able to pitch this season? He had the uh, Tommy John surgery last year. Yep, he just crossed the one-year anniversary in his Tommy, since Tommy John surgery. The Mets, the Mets accept. Excuse me. The Mets expect him back in June. Um, he is. Doing his regular bullpen session, touching 96, 97 miles an hour. And he's still two-plus months away from pitching in a major league game. So uh, things seem to be going very well for Syndergaard. And come June, he should be really a gigantic boost for the Mets rotation. Yeah. Uh, the rotation should be solid as it is. But with him and how good he is when he's healthy, that is you know a huge X factor. Yeah, I mean, if he comes back, I mean, Mets starting rotation could be challenged, I think, Braves for uh, supremacy in the NL East. Yeah, yeah. I expect it to be Mets, Braves in the standings, and, division, and rotation-wise, they're right there next to each other. I think uh, people sometimes sleep on the Braves, even though they've been so good for years now. But, man, that rotation, that rotation has a chance to be what the Mets thought they would be in... 2015 when they made it to the World Series, 2016, and they had this idea of all these homegrown studs not making a lot of money, winning a lot of games. It didn't really work out for the Mets with their five aces, but, man, the Braves look awfully tough. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the big move, uh, one of the two big moves, obviously, Steve Cohen buying the team uh, in the off season, and then the trade getting Francisco Lindor from the Indians. As we talk here late Tuesday afternoon, what is the contract situation with Lindor as far as uh, getting an extension and you know being a Met for a long time, or is he going to test free agency at the end of the year? The key there is as we talk late Tuesday afternoon, as of right this moment, the Mets and Lindor do not have a deal, or at least do not have a deal as far as we know. We did learn late last night, as I reported in Newsday, that the Mets offered Lindor $325 million over 10 years. Lindor <laughs> oh said, Lindor said, no thank you. And then said, 
and then said, how about $385 million oh over 12 years? Oh, my God. If the Mets did that, which they're not really interested in doing, but if, the, if Lenore did get that contract, it would be the second biggest contract in MLB history behind only Mike Trout, who is, of course, widely regarded as the best baseball player in the world. So uh, that seems a bit high, if you ask me, for Lindor, but we'll see if those, they could meet in the middle, be it before opening day or come free agency. That's definitely a possibility still. Well, would you reject $325 million? I wouldn't. <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, I, I would not reject $325 million. Suffice to say, I'm, I'm trying to think of the lowest number that I would take for over a 10-year contract. <laughs> it is so much lower than that. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my. Uh, Pete Alonzo, great rookie year. Struggled last year. Uh, we just you know, write the last year off as just uh, because of the pandemic? You know, when people talk about Pete Alonzo's 2020, I, I don't call it a bad year, but I do call it a weird year. He looked lost at times. And he, he both at the plate and in his body language, you could tell he was taking it hard because he wasn't the same rookie Pete Alonso. Um, that said, on the whole, he had a well above average offensive season with, you know, uh, over 162 games. It would have come out to something like 43 homers and 90 something RBIs, which is a, a solid year. Um, that said, Pete Alonso expects more from himself. The Mets expect more from Pete Alonso, and. If spring training is an indication, which, of course, it isn't necessarily the case, uh, he just looked so locked in during Grapefruit League play. Um, as good as any Mets, hit the ball hard a lot, including a bunch of times right at defenders, so his numbers don't necessarily even reflect how good he was. Um, but I, I expect big things from Pete Alonso, absolutely. If there's one Met that really... Uh, you, you caught you by surprise last year. Was it Dominic Smith? Um, I think, you know, not, not to be a hipster about it, but I think Dominic Smith had a fantastic 2019 when he was mostly in a part-time role, came back on the last day of the season and hit that walk-off home run. People more generally, I think, started to buy into Dom Smith last year and with with reason. He was, he was excellent. He, it's funny to think about how at the beginning of the season, he was on the bench, and if Joanna Cespedes stuck around, Dominic Smith wasn't even necessarily in the everyday lineup. So last year was huge for Dom Smith. Uh, the Mets have him in left field this year. That is going to be uh, an adventure, we can say, uh, politely. Um, but it's for the sake of getting his bat in the lineup regularly, which is uh, a good idea. Yeah. I was surprised that the Mets, knowing that, JT Real Muto was out there as a free agent. Instead, went with James McCann, uh, formerly of the White Sox. Uh, what does McCann bring that maybe uh, Real Muto doesn't? That's a good question. Um, advantages of McCann over Real Muto, really the only one is that he, he's cheaper, right? He, he, he was that clear second option. On the free agent catcher market, Real Muto was number one, best catcher in baseball, good at basically everything, highly regarded as a leader, all the intangibles, in addition to the offensive and defensive numbers. I thought, um, you know, I probably expressed 
to you on a previous podcast that the Mets should have signed J.T. Real Muto. But they opted for McCann, who also seems like he should be solid. Not as good as Real Muto, probably, but if the last couple of years are any indication, then he seems to have turned his career around from when he was uh, kind of bad for the Tigers for the first bunch of years in his major league career. He revived things as a hitter. He was a much better framer with the White Sox last year. So the Mets put a $40 million bet on that being the real James McCann. And we'll, we'll see how that bet pays off. Luis Rojas gets to you know, manage a full season, 162-game season. Is he under enormous pressure now with you know, the new owner, new general manager? Yeah, I'd I, I say there's some pressure. Uh, I'd say that the, the Mets made the right decision in keeping him, and that wasn't a surprise that he's still around because Sandy Alderson, who's the team president now, uh, thought very highly of Luis Rojas, and Luis Rojas climbed through the minor league ranks as a coach and manager while Sandy was the GM. Um, so that, that makes sense to me. That said, yeah, results matter. Um, you know, I don't know that this year is a make-or-break year for Rojas, but uh, if the Mets don't live up to expectations, then people are inevitably going to look toward the manager. And, uh, you know, so <laughs> the best thing Luis Rojas can do is, is win games. Yeah. Uh, this year, obviously, the teams are going to play 162 games, uh, protocols permitting, which means we're going to see games against other teams outside of the East Division in both the National League and American League. Uh, is, how much fun is it going to be for you personally to be back covering games not involving you know, just East, uh, National League East and American League East teams? Yeah, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. The Mets' second road trip is to Colorado and Chicago, which are two great cities on, on, on the schedule any year. And then when you put them together in the same road trip, that's a lot of fun. Maybe April isn't perfect in those in, in Denver and Chicago, but uh, you know, pickers can't be choosers, right? Or beggars can't be choosers, rather. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm really excited, not only to see other teams, but also as a reporter to get back to some version of, or some or closer to normal as far as access to the teams and the players and things like that. I think once people are vaccinated, reporters are vaccinated, players are vaccinated, etc. Um, it's going to be a lot easier to, for example, talk to players in person again, which we haven't done too much of over the past year. So uh, really excited about the season for a lot of reasons, and that one, honestly, is right up there. The National League East, um, obviously, is very tough. Uh, the Braves defending champs, uh, the Mets, the Miami Marlins are yeah, made some noise last year, making the playoffs for the first time since 2003. The Phillies have been disappointing in the Nationals. Uh, they won the World Series in 2019. Uh, talk about uh, what, was it, what will it take for the Mets to win the division and, and or and or a wild card? Um, well, they need most things. They need they just need things to go right. They look like a good team on paper. I don't view them as the best team in the division. I think that's the Braves still. Uh, but the Mets should absolutely be right in the thick of things in the wild card race. It would really help if they had a couple pleasant surprises in the bullpen, for example. Uh, that looks like it won't be a team strength necessarily. Um, but, you know, th 
they are who they are at this point. They're going to score a lot of runs, um, and they will uh, pitch probably reasonably well, at least in the rotation. So uh, the Mets have their work cut out for them in the division, as you said. But uh, you know, they they should. I think it's reasonable to expect them to be in the playoff picture. I'm just looking at the Mets schedule on the web here. They're right now, obviously, they open Thursday at Washington, as you said. 709 start. Why not 710? Why not 705? That is a great question for ESPN. It seems like whenever a game yeah. is on ESPN, as that one will be, there's something weird going on with the, with the time. So 709, they say, beats me. I don't know. I'll be, I'll, I'll, I'll be there hours before that. So <laughs> when I'll be ready when they are. Well, speaking of being at the ballpark, there's going to be limited fans. There will be limited, but at least there'll be fans in the stands at City Field when the Mets open against the Marlins next Thursday. What you, know, you covered, obviously, down at spring training in uh, Port St. Lucie, there were fans at games there. How nice was it to have fans back in the stands, and how nice will it be uh, when you're at the ballpark and there are, are fans there? It, it's going to be awesome, and I know that because in spring training it was awesome. Uh, the first, the, the first, they have the first Mets home game. You know, fans were back in a limited capacity. And before first pitch, I just took a walk around the ballpark just to take it in. You know, it's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to have people back. The piped-in crowd noise they had last year was terrible. It's going to be much better to have authentic and reactions from in-person, real-life crowds this year. So uh, 20% capacity to start the season at City Field and at Yankee Stadium, for that matter. Um, and I'm really looking forward to that, getting higher and higher over the course of the season. Yeah, I was. I just covered the uh, Northeast NCAA Hockey Northeast Regions. I was talking to Chris Diakert of New York uh, Daily News uh, before you came on. And we talked about you know how it was covering a te- covering an event in Zoom, but you mentioned the crowd noise and I mean, the fake crowd noise. Is like, it was kind of jarring because you, you, see, you do see, I mean, there were some fans there, but it was just, you're hearing that uh, you know, loop of crowd noise, like it's just just weird. Yeah, yeah, it was it's, it was pretty eerie. I, I think uh, you know, eventually people got used to it, but it was it's definitely suboptimal, let's say. <laughs> well, Tim, I uh, appreciate you coming on once again, and uh, let, let people know where they can find you on Twitter. Find me on Twitter at Tim B Healy. That's T I M B as in boy. A-T-A-L-E-Y. And also, let me plug Newsday.com slash Mets Text. Again, Newsday.com slash Mets Text. We're doing a new thing this year where you can sign up um, for a small fee or it's free if you're a Newsday subscriber and you can get text Mets updates from me personally. So uh, that's something new we're trying. And so, so far, so good. It's been a lot of fun. That's great. Good to hear, Tim. It's, uh, I appreciate you. Good for the plug there. And, uh, Give uh, Neil Best my uh, best down there. I know he's making the $330 million for Newsday, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll do. All right. Uh, Tim, appreciate it again. All right. Thank you. Where will the teams finish in 2021? The Daily Gazette sports staff offers their predictions for the regular season and postseason. Hi, I'm Jim Schultz, sports writer for the Daily Gazette. We're talking Major League Baseball, uh, making some predictions for the season. Looking forward to it. It's going to be really great. Uh, Let's just jump right in. National League. Uh, I am going to take the Mets in the East. Uh, That's my team. Everyone knows this. So what the heck? I'm going to go with them. Central, uh, I'll take the Cardinals. I like them. West, Dodgers. 
Uh, they looked awfully good. Uh, wild cards, Atlanta, Atlanta, and then the Padres. I like the Padres, what they've been doing lately. American League East, uh, I'm going to take the Yanks. Stay, they stay healthy, they, they should be real good. Central Twins, West, I'm going to take the Angels, I think they're due. I like their manager. Wild cards, Oakland and uh, Tampa Bay Rays. What the heck, I'm going to go with the Mets and the Yanks. It's been a while, you know, that matchup, and this time the Mets win. So that's it. Brief synopsis, uh, that's my call for this year for the Major League Baseball. This is Gazette sports writer Adam Schindler. In the National League this year, I'll take the Atlanta Braves to win the East, the St. Louis Cardinals to win the Central, and the LA Dodgers to win the West, with the Wild Cards going to the Philadelphia Phillies and the San Diego Padres. In the American League, I'll take the Yankees in the East, Chicago White Sox in the Central, the Houston Astros in the West, with the Wild Cards going to the Tampa Bay Rays and the Minnesota Twins. For the World Series, the Padres beat the Yankees. Hi, I'm Mike McAdams, sports writer, and my Major League Baseball division winner picks are NL East, I've got the Atlanta Braves. NL Central, I've got the Pittsburgh Ha, just kidding. I've got the Milwaukee Brewers. NL West, I've got the LA Dodgers. Uh, the two wild cards are the New York Mets and the San Diego Padres. In the American League, I've got the uh, New York Yankees and the AL East. Big shocker there. Minnesota Twins and the AL Central. Houston Astros in the AL West, and the two wild cards are the Toronto Blue Jays and Chicago White Sox. And my World Series pick is the Los Angeles Dodgers. As for my selections, in the National League, I'm going to go with the Braves in the East, the Cubs in the Central, and the Dodgers in the West. My wild cards are the Padres, and I hope I don't jinx them, my Philadelphia Phillies. Over in the American League, I'm going with the Rays in the East, the Twins in the Central, and the Athletics in the West. My wild cards are the Yankees and the Astros. I think the World Series is going to pit the Padres against the Yankees, and I think for the first time in their history, the Padres will win the World Series. Coming up, we'll talk high school football with Jim Schultz. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast. Hi, this is Miles Reed, editor of the Daily Gazette. These are difficult times. For most of us, the coronavirus crisis has been a time of unprecedented upheaval, uncertainty, and fear. What does it all mean for our health, our families, our jobs, and our futures? At the Daily Gazette, our journalists have been working tirelessly to answer these questions and many more that have come up during this whole pandemic. How many people have tested positive locally? How many have died? Has anyone died in the local nursing homes? Now, in these difficult times, we're turning to you to support our work by purchasing a subscription or making a donation to help fund our daily efforts. With your support, these are the questions we're continuing to report on. Every day, our reporters and photographers have been working the streets and the phones to answer these critical questions. And every day, they answer the bell with their timely and well-documented reports from the front lines in the region. Behind the scenes, the rest of our editorial team, including our sports writers, copy editors, and digital producers, have been wholly focused on covering the COVID-19 story. During this critical time, everyone here at the paper is working to provide important news and information to keep the community safe and connected. But our ability to serve our community is being threatened by some economic challenges posed by the pandemic. 
We have stay-at-home orders, business closures, and school shutdowns, and they're contributing to the massive instability in the local business landscape. Despite all of these changes, the Gazette will remain committed to serving the community for many years to come, just as we've been doing unfailingly for the past 125 years. So please go to thedailygazette.com and donate or purchase a subscription to the Daily Gazette. Thank you, be well, and please keep reading. Hi, I'm Tina Cavilla, manager of the Tri-City Valley Cats and former Major League Baseball player. You're listening to the Parting Shot Podcast with Daily Gazette, Associate Sports Editor and Upstate New York's biggest Philadelphia Phillies fan, Ken Shot. Welcome back to the podcast, and it's time to talk some high school football. Jim Schultz joins us now from the uh, Gazette Sports Department. And Jim, uh, interesting week two. You had a chance to see Amsterdam and Troy, and Troy uh, looked pretty good. Troy looked very good. Uh, it's not just Xavier Lee, you know, their star running back. They've got, they got, they're a very good all-around team. Uh, uh, Amsterdam, you know, uh, a little young in a lot of spots, and that was their first game. Uh, but Troy. Um, they looked awfully good. Yeah. Let me say this: the lead kid is just so fast. Uh, he showed his running, but also his catching ability and, the, and running after the catch. Super team, super team. They got the, the class of the. Class you know, league? you know what's tough about this year is um, at this stage, having not seen teams, it's tough to say uh, they looked awfully good. You got Burn Hills right behind them, who's uh, undefeated, also traditionally a very strong team. Having not seen them. It's just tough to make a call right now. We're going to go with Troy one, Burn Hills two. Maybe they'll maybe they'll meet up sometime in, in a very cool game. Yeah, we'll talk about the rankings in just sure, a moment. Sure, uh, sure. Uh, one of the other matchups last week was a rematch in the uh, postseason uh, in 2019. Right, Shaker and uh, Gilderland. Gilderland yeah. and Shaker got some revenge. Shaker's been good for the last several years, uh, and Gilderland has come on. So. Uh, it was a close game. You know, it was a close game. I think both teams are quality this year. Um, I'm not surprised. I wouldn't have been surprised either way, actually. I was watching uh, Gilderland the week before, you know, on uh, on video. Uh, uh, and from what I saw from that, they looked awfully good, too. Yeah. Uh, I think that game, you know, having not seen the game, I think it could have gone either way. What we've got there is two quality teams in the double A's. Uh, I think CBA's right there as well. You know, it's, it's again, they've only played a couple of games. I'm not counting Shenandoah out of the mix. Uh, you know, so the double A is very interesting right now. Um, um, big game this uh, this week, um, CBA and uh, and Shenandoah. Very yeah. I- interesting, yeah. Yeah, Shenandoah bounced back from being shut yeah. out by Shaker uh, with a big win over Colony. So yeah, yeah. They see, they're back on track. Uh, you know, again, Colony. Uh, uh, not not in the top or top tier, so you don't really know yet. You know you want to uh, not don't, not really sure. I think Shannon will get back on track. They traditionally get better, so uh, they're going by the end of the year they're going to be a good team. Yeah, Schenectady uh, had an opening week win, but they faced CBA and then <laughs> couple injuries. A uh, couple injuries. CBA is awfully good. Couple injuries and, and Schenectady still trying to figure out their quarterback spot. They've got a lot of talent. Uh, surrounding the two young quarterbacks, and they're still trying to figure it out. Uh, injuries, a couple key key linemen, and key skill kid uh, for Schenectady. I think they'll win some games. Yeah. They're 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 they got a good uh, team and a good coach. And uh, Carmen Apollo knows what he's doing. He's turned Schenectady's uh, turned them around in the past, and he's got them going in the right direction again right now. 
Well, we're heading to week three, and what are the what's the last of some of these teams that have yet to play games? We have any news on those? Uh, the one I found out literally probably about an hour ago, uh, Holy Trinity. They're important to us because they are in our backyard in Schenectady. They are going to play. They had an issue, um, not enough kids last week, uh, practices, and uh, it wasn't a COVID situation. Uh, they, didn't, they have enough kids now. Just, they're just over the minimum of uh, you need 16 to play. Just talk to them. They're going to be at Hudson. Uh, so they're, they're ready to go. They're anxious. I don't know what they're going to do, but they, they, uh, they just want to get on the field. Uh, like several teams have not. Yeah, like Scotia hasn't yet, I believe, right? Scotia, I haven't heard anything as of them. They have not. They're anxious to play. Um, they're scheduled, I believe, with Mahanison, but I have not heard as of, as of our, us speaking right now. Okay. Uh, what are the matchups that intrigue you in week three? Uh, week three. You mentioned CBHN. Let's talk about that. Well, I just think it's a neat game. You know, having not seen them, I, I just you got two traditional teams that have been good. Uh, they're good, so that's a neat matchup. But the one I'm swinging to, the one I'm looking forward to, I believe I'm covering it is uh, Burn Hills and Queensbury. It's a rivalry oh, yeah, game. It's, it's Friday. Yeah. It's <laughs> They play good games, you yeah. know. It's uh, Queensbury's got them a couple times in the last couple of years, but uh, it's just a good quality game. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what both teams have. Both teams have a, uh, 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 well, you know, the Rodriguez kid at Queensbury is just, um, if he gets in the open, he flies. Yeah, Queensbury has yet to play a game, though, with Burroughs at that, too. So that's very interesting. That's what makes this, uh, uh, I, can, I can relate to uh, Troy and Amsterdam in that respect, where Troy had a game under its belt. Amsterdam didn't. It helps to have a game, you know what I mean. Going in with that because that's where you work out kinks. And I've seen it. Everyone's seen it. Uh, you need that game, that game to work it out. So it'll be interesting with Burn Hills. They got the two under their belt already. They know what they're doing. So and Queensbury's coming in. I'm sure they're they're ready. Uh, it's just there's nothing like a game situation to. Uh, uh, to build off of. So I, I, I'm not going to make any predictions. Having not seen them, I will not do that. Uh, I just think it's going to be a very good game. I'm looking forward to it. Any other games that uh, get your attention? Though That's the one right now. The, the Shen, CBA, and the, uh, you know, just right off the rip. Mm-hmm. Uh, those two are really standing out. Uh, Holy Trinity's at Hudson. Just throwing that in there right. on Saturday. <laughs> just throwing it in there. I right think there. Shell might be a beef about Shut Mountain. I think they, Shell Mountain's a they, nice Wow. Uh, Kind of surprising a little bit to well, me. Well, those Hudson's usually a pretty good team. Hudson, Hudson's won big and they've lost big. So you know they're they're, who knows? I don't know what they have. Tradition, they've had some really uh, quality kids in the last couple of years. I just know Shaman has uh, Rodney Parker in the backfield. He was Holy Trinity's you know star back, and he has uh, moved over to Shaman, and he runs. He's a very good yeah. runner. He's a big. <laughs> He's a big young man, and, and uh, I wouldn't want to get hit by him. He's just uh, and and then Shaman has other skill kids. Um, Shaman's got a nice program. They've had a nice run for for more than a decade now. So they're they're uh, right behind them. Ravina again, having not seen him, but they got a, Ravina's got a couple of W's as well. Let's take a look at the uh, power rankings that you, uh, Michael Kelly, Stan Udi, and Adam Schinder mm-hmm. put together each week. Yeah. Class there are no real changes no. in the power rankings. Shaker remains one in double-A. Yeah. Uh, Gilwin tied with CBA. Of mm-hmm. course, we have that yep. game on Friday. Uh, yeah. yeah, you know what? I just want to throw it. A lot of this is based on results. Mm-hmm. You know, they played a couple of games. Also, some of it's based on tradition. You know, some teams have not played. And I know I'm jumping ahead, but it's, for example, in the D's. Cambridge Salem has played one game and they lost it. Uh, we still have them number two, I believe, in the D. It's a lot of it's based on tradition, you know. Um, um, 
I'm just throwing that out there because it is, it's a short season. It's still early. It's going to go quick. Yeah. <laughs> I'll the, say. About the only change in AA was uh, the last week, Gildeland was two CBA three, but now they're both tied in yeah. number two. So yeah. uh, we should mention Shen number four and Schenectady five yep. in AA. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Class A, as we mentioned, Troy number one there with that big win over Amsterdam. Yep. They've had 97 points in two games, Jim. They're, they're explosive. Yeah, they are. Yeah. I can't get over the, the Xavier Lee. He's got two games, seven touchdowns. If he gets in the open, and you don't get a hand, he's gone. Yeah. He 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 has track speed. He is a. I asked him actually if he was going to run track, and he's that's uh, he's considering it because he wants to lift more for college. He's yeah. he uh, committed to Massachusetts. He said he might lift and try to bulk up instead. So we'll see. He again, he's fun to watch on the football field and as a sprinter. He's just. The kid can fly. He's, yeah. he's good. Yeah. Burn Hills two after the forty-two-six win over Niskuna. Yep. Eagle Park three after they beat Albany. Boston Spa four and Queensbury as we mentioned five. That sure. Uh, so really no changes there. Looking forward to seeing what Queensbury has. You know, with their uh, with their packed in double wing, it's always fun to watch. Yeah. Let's go to Class B now, yeah. and um, Shalmont remains at number one. Yep. Uh, Ravina sure. is number two with the two nothing or two zero record. Uh, you know, so it, what, what, again, uh, a lot of the B teams did not play in the opening week. Mm-hmm. So uh, a lot of them, a couple, uh, like Ravina has two, but a couple of te- most of the teams have just one game under their belt. Yeah, it's hard to gauge. It's hard to gauge again uh, results and tradition. We're looking at yeah. also. Yeah, Brown for three, Glens Falls four, and a tie for fifth between Hudson and South Glens Falls. There, it's just tough, you know. Uh, Glens Falls, I don't know if they've played yet, but we know. They have a lot of skill. Yeah, they've had. They've just another team has yet to play because they've had two uh, yep. game called off. Do we know they, Tech. they have skill kids coming back, so we're projecting them to be a, a pretty good team. Can't wait for them to play. Yeah. You know, they've been fun. They've been a fun team uh, over the last couple of years, obviously with uh, uh, Joe Girard the third. You know, uh, and it just they've been a fun team. They got some kids back. Uh, anxious to see how they do. Yeah. yeah. Class C, Schuylerville, Fonda, who's at Falls, Tamarack, uh, Kosaki, Athens, and Corinth, Fort Edward. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, well, Schuylerville, okay, I, I haven't seen them. Um, two nice wins there, and one of the coaches I was talking to said they've uh, gone away from their um, uh, their package uh, and they've gone more to a spread offense. I, I want to see that. I'm not sure what they're doing exactly, uh, as opposed to their flex bone, which w- was. Um, uh, based on a lot of uh, uh, you know, trying to fool the other team, basically yeah. what you're doing, and, and they had kids who ran very hard out of that. So <laughs> that was fun. I, I don't. I, I want to see what they're doing now. Uh, they are. They're on a roll again. Uh, the coach I talked to said this is a really, really good Skylerville team that maybe could make a push in the states if there was a state tournament yeah. this year. That's too bad. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so Fonda, just, Fonda had a nice win. Yeah. yeah, they got skill kids. Yeah, we mentioned Kasaki Atkins four, two is a full starting three, and uh, uh, five was uh, Corinth Ford Edwards. Sure. Class D, uh, Greenwich, uh, number one, they uh, spotted Stillwater 7 nothing lead, then scored the next 36 points. Greenwich, they look good, you know, just on paper. You know, uh, they got a couple of nice wins. Um, that's what I know about them. Uh, Stillwater, okay. Did win the uh, you know their first championship um, in the last season back two nineteen. Um, they they've lost a lot of kids yeah. though. So Stillwater uh, is going to battle, but that's a young team against it. Sounds like Greenwich has some kids back and skill. So 
Uh, but Greenwich, we're looking at them. What's interesting is right behind them is the Cambridge Salem. Yeah. You know, they've, they've got a loss uh, to Hoosick Falls Tamarack, which is 2-0 and in the Class C. Yeah. Um, but it's tra- tradition. We just, they, they crank out good teams every year, so we're thinking they're going to crank out some wins. Yeah, Cambridge-Salem uh, had its game against Warrensburg-North Warren yeah. off last week. Uh, yeah. Lake George had Luzerne as a three after that 56 nothing win over Helderberg Valley. Yeah. Warrensburg-North Warren uh, still waiting to play its first game of the season. And we have a tie between Canterbury Fork Plain and uh, Stillwater. So that rounds out the power rankings, Jim. And, uh, it, it's It's been a, uh, even though it's been a couple of weeks, it's been a, uh, it's been weird, you know. Games have been canceled, uh, postponed, canceled, moved uh, because of some COVID situations uh, throughout Section Two. Um, it's we're getting there. I'll just say we're getting there. The, the, you know, the, the wheels are starting to spin. We're starting to get the season going. Uh, a lot more to come. There's going to be some good stuff coming up with some of these. You know, when teams start to separate themselves and then they start to play each other. That's when the fun really begins. So uh, there's much ahead uh, for us. Well, Jim, appreciate a few minutes and sure. uh, have some fun this weekend covering some football. Sounds great. All right, uh, it's Jim Schultz. I'll be back to wrap up the podcast and announce the week center the seven winner. If I can speak properly <laughs> in the Daily Gazette Auto Racing Contest in just a moment. NASCAR season is here, and it's time to play the Daily Gazette's Auto Racing Contest. Go to dailygazette.com to sign up and play. Predict the order of finish of each race via your auto racing account. The fan with the most correct points for the race will win a $50 grocery card and have their name mentioned on the Party Shots podcast and printed in Friday's Daily Gazette. The fan with the most overall points at the end of the season wins a $250 grocery card. You can also win a $75 Visa gift card provided by 2nd Street if you're the weekly national winner. If you are the overall national winner, you will win a trip for two to the 2022 Daytona 500. So go to DailyGazette.com, sign up, and play today. The Daily Gazette Auto Racing Contest is run by the Daily Gazette Advertising Department and not associated with the Daily Gazette Sports Department. Hi, this is Daily Gazette sports editor Michael Kelly. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette associate sports editor Ken Schott. I'd like to wrap up the podcast. Week 7 of the NASCAR season is in the books, and the winner in the Daily Gazette's auto racing contest is Nate Clements of Mechanicville. Nate wins a $50 grocery card. Congratulations, Nate. Somehow, I was the Week 7 VIP winner. I guess getting down and dirty at Bristol Motor Speedway helped me win. Anthony Manning of a Colonial Car Wash was the advertising winner. I'll be announcing the weekly winner of the contest, and that winner's name will also appear in Friday's Daily Gazette. NASCAR is taking Sunday off for Easter, so there is no contest this week. Keep checking out DailyGazette.com and the print edition for the latest updates in news and sports on the coronavirus pandemic. I want to thank all the doctors, nurses, and first responders who are dealing with this pandemic. We appreciate the job you're doing in this difficult time. Even though the vaccine for the coronavirus is here, keep wearing the face mask while you're out. Be positive. Stay negative. That wraps up another edition of the Parting Shots podcast. I'd like to thank Christy Ackert, Tim Healy, and Jim Schultz for coming on the show. 
I'll have another edition of the Parting Shots podcast on Friday. My guest will be Westwood One play-by-play announcer Kevin Kugler, who will be calling the Final Four. NHL.com Philadelphia Flyers writer Bill Meltzer will talk about defenseman Shane Gossespierre and why the former Union Hockey standout was put on waivers Tuesday. And Minnesota Duluth hockey play-by-play announcer Bruce Siski talks about last Saturday's epic five-overtime NCAA hockey tournament game against North Dakota. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shot, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Slapshots. The views expressed on the Parting Shots podcast are not necessarily those of Gazette newspapers. The Parting Shots podcast is a production of Gazette newspapers. I'm Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. From the Parting Shots podcast studio in Schenectady, New York, good day, good sports. Be smart, stay safe, wear the face mask.